This is part three of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. The, the key is, is that I now have this passive income stream, and um, I tried to get other people to do it, but they didn't. It's, yeah, and it wasn't due to a lack of creativity or a lack of ideas. It was just lack of gumption. Internal drive, essentially. So so now I've got this whole other podcast called Mr. Slappy, which Jocelyn fought me tooth and nail to not put this out and to not talk about Mr. Slappy. But now I'm getting tons of feedback about how people love Mr. Slappy. And it's kind of like a lot of people cannot do something unless they have somebody in their life that is a Mr. Slappy. Somebody who will say, here is the work you're going to be doing for the next hour. Yeah, I mean, Flip exactly. I mean, this, 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 this is what they were trained to do in school, right? I mean, I, <laughs> I can't. And, of course, my whole life has been full of nothing but, like, um, I'm just – I've got so much in my head of stuff I want to do, mm-hmm. and I just don't have enough life in numbers of years to do it all. I'd love to farm out. 99% of the stuff that's in my head, but every time I do, people need a lot of my time to tell them right, all the right, steps. Right. And it ends up being, I spend more time telling them how than if I just did it myself. And then, even then, they still don't finish the job. They just leave it half done. and und- So, alright. Residual income streams is something, or or I should say passive income streams is something where it's like, I think it is a path. And now you're saying spend 300 to 1,000 hours learning about how to invest. So so that way, when you do it, then you put in $100 and you can you get $3 back each year. And, and you can go and have your $100 back later if you want it. Whereas I have put a lot of money into a lot of investments over my lifetime. Many of them have paid back very, very well. But there have been some where I've gotten nothing back or or where that investment is still rolling and it's still kind of like in the negative. Mm-hmm. Like I've, like if I were to cash out now, I'd get less back in than what I put in. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I mean, the difference is that in order to uh, to, to, to make it on, on passive income, you, you could leverage your internal drive. But if, if there's no internal drive, if a person doesn't have an internal drive, there's nothing to leverage. They're uh, yeah. entirely they're entirely dependent on Mr. Slappy. Right, right. If there's no Mr. Slappy in their lives, yeah. they produce nothing. And then and I kind of feel like, how do you go and buy that jet ski? If there's no Mr. Slappy in your well, life. Well, it's, there's, there's, I mean, for, for people who stay in the, in the 40 hour work week, they have a boss that tells them what to do, they have forms to follow. 
that's 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 essentially where where I would say most people. I mean, it's it's hard to get out of once you're in that mindset, unless you feel stuck. In which case, this is a great way to to get out. I mean, this. this I mean, we're, we're kind of like a. There's also this kind of question: What what happens if, if if everybody does this? Doesn't you know like the economy crash? And the easiest answer is like, well, just not everybody will not do this. Okay, <laughs> Jacob Lund Fisker, I have a question for you, and this question is an entirely inappropriate question. So feel free to tell me to fuck off. <laughs> so you wrote a book, and your book is about having invested. So therefore, you have investments, mm-hmm. and your book is a pa- as a passive income stream attached to it. My inappropriate question, for which I should never ask, but I'm going to just throw it out there: and which which one gives you more money each month? You, uh, tell me. you don't have to answer. The book is, no, the book, is, the book itself it kind of depends on how you calculate the passive income. I mean, right now they're about about even. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. About even. Yeah. Now, I mean, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the book book gives about thirty thousand dollars a year, which was entirely unexpected. But if you compare it to my my blog, for example, which I put a thousand posts into it and spent two years writing it, you know, basically half an hour to an hour each day, that makes about one thousand to two thousand dollars a year, depending on. What kind of shenanigans Amazon and Google uh, are up to? So okay. you could say the blog was kind of like, no, that's not enough for me. I mean, I was lucky. I was like, I consider, I consider the book. It's kind of a, a lucky thing in a sense, since it is one of the better selling ones in that domain. On the other hand, the financial thing that was like entirely dependable. I could like project like year by year exactly how much I would have. So, but okay. yeah, I mean, if, if, if the business income as such, if, if a royalty, I mean, it can be a lot higher, but it can also be a lot, lot lower. I guess what I'm saying is that the investing path is, is the robust way. It's, 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 a, it's a dependable way. The other ones you're kind of like more trying to roll the die and you want to roll it as much as possible until someone, something gets up. For your lifetime up to this point, how many hours have you put into understanding investing? Uh, Well, that's tricky since I actually ended up uh, leveraging into an actual finance job also. (laughs) But before that happened, uh, I had probably what corresponds to like that first year business, you know, someone who goes to business school for one year. So I'm going to say 6,000 hours. No, 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 no. <laughs> Probably more like 1,000 hours, 2,000 hours. Because there's, there's 2,000 working hours in a year. If you just work a full-time yeah, job, that's 2,000 hours. I would say 1,000 hours. 1,000 hours. Yeah. Okay. And um, and so uh, – and then, and then there's a certain number of hours you're putting in each uh, year to fondle your investments. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, how many hours do you have into writing your book? Just getting it to the point that it exists and I you can tell it. I kind of estimated that to be about 2,000. About 2,000. 2,000 to write and about 500 to, you know, put it together, edit it, and okay. test all the margins and all that shit. That was like self-published, so you have to do everything there. So it's right. 25, yeah. So 2,500 hours. Yeah. 
and you got a thousand hours in investing. So, um, uh, it's, it's okay. I thought the numbers were going to be very different, but thank you so much for sharing that. It sounds well, I mean, like the, the, the thing about investing is that uh, it scales. You know, if you, if, if you invest like $10,000 to, 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 I mean, you, you spend a thousand hours investing for like three or 4% regardless of how much money you have, right? So if you invest $10,000, you spend the same amount of time as if you invested a hundred thousand or a million. So if you don't have very much to invest, it doesn't make sense to spend that much time educating yourself about it. It only makes sense after a certain point. Which, which, which is also why, uh, why I mean, the standard advice now is just throw everything into index funds and forget about it. I mean, you could in principle spend like five hours on it. Well, one of the things mm-hmm. you said earlier was that the amount of income you get each year right now from mm-hmm. your book is about the same as what you get from your investments. Yeah. And so then it's like, but it sounds like you had to put in two and a half times more work into your book than into your investments. Yeah. Therefore, your answer is the is the opposite of what I, I thought the answer would be. Yeah. But also, I mean, also consider that's that those those are just sort of like uh, coincidentally the same number. I mean, if you go forward five years from now, which I can actually uh, which I can actually do here if I can uh, oh sorry I have to switch them around. I have I have a spreadsheet that projects everything. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course you do. As I said, you know this can be calculated forward pretty accurately. So if we if we go back go to the year uh, to two thousand thirty five or something, then <laughs> I would ex- I would ex- so I will be uh, sixty years old at that time. Um, then I would expect. If, if the book still sells at that time, then I'll be getting six times as much in investment income as, as in book income from essentially doing that much now. But it really, I mean, it really depends. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm, I've got a place where I'm going. So give me a moment here while I try to make this point. And that is that, uh, and I thought that the numbers would be different, but let me, I'm going to work with the numbers that you got. And that is that a thousand hours to put in a plus you got to put money in, but you also got to put money in with publishing too. Yeah. But oh, let's, just, let's just talk <laughs> about the hours. Let's just yeah. talk about the hours. It's a thousand hours to get started in the investing, to be able to do the investing or 2,500 hours in order to be able to, to create this book. If you do it like I do. Yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, in, in your particular case, now, um, and I, I do think that there's so many more variables to talk about, but the one point I want to make right now is, is that a thousand hours learning about a system of investing, which, which I don't know how everybody else feels, but I cannot stand the thought of trying to, to, to learn that. It's, it's, to me, it would be like oil and water, even though I've done a fair amount of it investing and I've done fairly well. It's like, I don't want to touch it with a 10 foot pole or, 25 out, 2,500 hours, uh, fiddling with stuff that seems super cool to me, mm-hmm. which of course, whoever's watching this or hearing this now, then, then they might be like, feel the same way, like a thousand hours of like learning how investments work versus 2,500 hours of writing about something that they think is super cool. So there's, there's that. The, the next thing is, is that I kind of, feel like when I have talked to people about passive income streams, 
there have been a lot of stories that I've heard where people are doing it and they're having success where it's closer to the thing I talked about where I put four hours into that article. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're talking about like, oh, yeah, they've put out 20 books and each book represents about a week of effort. Because you think about it, if you want to put up a book on Kindle on something, the the bar for Kindle is pretty low. It's like there's a lot of books out there on Kindle. And and it's like I can't help but think that if you go and you plunk down your dollar ninety nine or whatever it is to pick up some of these books, it's gonna be like a dollar ninety nine was about ten times too much. In fact, I'd probably like to get paid twenty dollars for having endured reading just the first chapter mm-hmm. um, and, you know, deciding to close the book. But the key is, is there's a bunch of people who are working the system and they have learned uh, how to whatever. And then they're putting the books out there and they're cranking the books out and they're getting mm-hmm. money. And then a- another thing, the story, one of my f- most favorite stories of all time about passive income streams is I believe his name is Jonathan Colton. And uh, he wrote a song that I have listened to probably 50 times, maybe more, uh, over and over and over again. And I just so enjoy the song called Code Monkey. <laughs> and I don't know if there's anybody else who, who's on this who's listened to the song. And I haven't listened to the song in probably more than a year. But, but when I first heard it, it's like I had to hear it 20 more times immediately. <laughs> and I just love this song. And so... <clears throat> What he did was is that he was working a job that he apparently didn't particularly care for, but he really loved his music. And so he made a commitment to himself to put out one new song per week and and to give it a, a try to get to the point that – and then a, 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 my understanding is is that now he, he's got – like in certain circles, he's become very popular, and, and now he makes, a, he makes bank – off of off of his music that he's created, but of course a lot of musicians it's like to get musicians to put out like six songs over a six year period is a bit like pulling teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but but his thing was quantity because <laughs> yeah. it's like <laughs> it's like if it, I I kind of feel like I I heard somebody once like, say a photographer once say it's like okay you don't need to know anything about photography. Just go out and take a thousand pictures, and I promise ten of those pictures that you take are really great, and they're they're up there with the quality of the ten best pictures of of an excellent photographer. You just did it all just right by chance, mm-hmm. and and it's like plus by the time you get done taking the thousandth picture, your next picture is probably going to be twenty times better than the first picture you ever took. Just get out there and start clicking. Mm-hmm. And right. and I kind of felt like there's a lot of truth there, and I think that there's a lot of you know that behind Jonathan Colton's thing, and so when we come back to the point that you're making of like where where basically I think you're saying people need most people need a Mr. Slappy, and without mm-hmm. Mr. Slappy they can't create anything, you know, let alone the thing I started this off with by saying create a connection from AdWords to one of my things where you get a 50% affiliate fee, they can't even create that. They're not even going to type in AdWords in Google to see what the fuck that is. They I mean, can't. It's like, uh, it's like dieting, right? I mean, it's it's simple, but it's not easy. Right? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's. I mean, anyone can lose weight. That's just it's just not gonna happen, right? Uh, um, 
Okay. But yeah, I mean, different <laughs> strategies, for example. Uh, you should be aware you're talking to a fat guy right now. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> the other thing is, it's like, catch me if you uh, can. <laughs> be careful if you can say that while I'm sitting next to you, because I am a, a giant. Like, I don't, I think it's kind of funny when people meet me, they're like, shit. I said you were a giant. I just didn't know you were that giant. <laughs> I think it is. I uh, For people that have met me in person, maybe there's a bunch of people in the chat that could talk about how freaky it is to meet me. I've, I've scared the shit out of some people. They're just like, so be careful what you say about diet. I love my things that I eat. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. I want to now move into the thing where I've made a list. And yeah. and I think Sean, this is Sean and I. I shouldn't say I made a list. This is definitely Sean and I made this list. And I think it's an amazing list. And I also think that it's for a lot of people that struggle to be able to produce something without a Mr. Slappy in their life. Yeah, see, there's somebody. Yep, he's a big guy. All right, here come the chat. Oh, Code Monkey has nearly 7 million views on YouTube. Isn't it an amazing song? I just love it. Of course, I, I'm a... I'm a Former software engineer. I retired from software engineering to be uh, obsessed about permaculture. Yeah, <laughs> also, also a former work. computer engineer. Ah, yeah. See, that's why Sean and I can communicate so well. We he both. Also, speak. Uh, Jonathan Colton. He wrote the end themes for Portal, didn't he? He did what? The end themes for Portal. The end songs. Oh. Was that not him? I don't know. What is um, a portal? Did you say a portal? Portal again. Portal. Yeah. Portal. Uh, is, what is Portal? Uh, some computer game you guys play. Ah, okay. See, I'm <laughs> I'm so obsessed with permaculture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. usually I am. Sorry. Okay. We're, we're breaking cover right now. If I put it on. Let's, let's no, yeah. I'll put it on. <laughs> We'll probably violate some kind of because uh, yeah. has this stuff where I'll it's find it then. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so here's the list that Sean and I made, and um, and I think, and of course, you know, this is this book. I I, I want to take a moment to say, this book is like a uh, a uh, uh, hundred thousand pages of stuff, which we are attempting to condense down to two hundred pages. So we're leaving stuff out, and I do think that when it comes to passive income streams, I could fill six books, and so. This is but a section, a subsection within a section within a chapter of this book. And I still think that, so this is a very condensed list. Um, but uh, here is an abbreviated list of passive income streams. And Sean's put a footnote in here so you can go see a bigger list. Yeah, I just posted it in the chat too. Oh, good. Oh, good. Uh, create web pages with affiliate links or ads. That's basically where I accidentally got started. Write a book. Do you like my book so far? <laughs> Tip for beginners. Go to some forum and write helpful answers. After a year, massage all of those answers into an ebook. All right. So it's, so basically without Mr. Slappy, all you could do is go to a forum that's got stuff in it that's your kind of thing and be helpful. And then at some point you're like, I'm going to write an ebook and just copy all your helpful stuff, mash it into a book. Boom, you're done. Uh, you, you accidentally wrote a book over that year. You didn't even know it. Uh, create a DVD-like thing. 
Have you seen my Rocket Mass Heater DVDs? <laughs> stock photography. So with stock photography, you take pictures of stuff, you put it up on a stock photography site, and then every month you get, like, pennies or dollars or whatever. I've heard from people that, like, they get $500 a month from pictures they've put up on these stock photography sites. Stock video. Similar kind of thing, but video. I, I once heard of a guy that was 17 years old, and he was making like $300,000 a year at the age of 17 because he put he just did stock video. He started making stock video when he was like 14. So in three years, he was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year from stock video. Uh, be a famous movie star that gets paid in royalties. We all we, we know of these stories. Yeah, or or if you can't be a famous movie star that gets paid in royalties, be a mediocre YouTube personality. <laughs> um, my YouTube channel doesn't get nearly the money it used to get, and I haven't been putting videos. So YouTube's got a way of, like, if you put a video up every day, we will direct people to your YouTube videos, and I don't do that. But there was a guy here who has like 10,000 subscribers. And I have like 75,000 subscribers. But he's got like 10,000 subscribers. But he keeps putting the videos out. And then the, I think he mentioned in passing that he was getting $1,400 a month for his YouTube videos. And he hasn't even been doing I don't think he's even been doing it a year. And and it's like, and he, he hasn't kept up with daily. Um, and so it's like, it's amazing how much money you can get by putting videos on, on YouTube. Um, hey, here's one. Be a famous rock star that gets you paid in royalties. But if you can't do that, make music and put it up on music sites where folks can download it for a buck or two. Um, I mean, the story of Jonathan Colton, I think, is a great story. And, and in fact, that story that I know about Jonathan Colton is a good four years old. I'm sure... That that story is now you know way further along than what I recall, but I do know of people that have put up some music here and there, and and they get some income. Uh, they get like something like twenty thousand dollars a year from music they've put up on a variety of different sites. Um, connect a perennial AdWords account to an affiliate product. Amazon pays five to eight percent. Uh, some programs pay 20% to 80%. And I'm going to point out real quick that if you do the affiliate program on Permies and you link to the uh, uh, building a Cobb-style rocket mass heater, I'm sure I've got it here somewhere. Is this it? Yeah. Can you see that? Building a Cobb-style rocket mass heater, that I've got it set up so that the affiliate program for that is 80%. So if people buy it, you get 80% of the income. You get far more than me. Um, next item. Uh, create a massive business and hire a freakishly awesome and trustworthy person to run it. So the business keeps going, and then you just get money, and you sit in the hammock all day. And it's like the money just keeps coming because you're smart that way, I guess. Uh, and uh, as part two of this, and this is an important part of that particular strategy, hope that it doesn't turn into an episode of Murder, She Wrote. Because I have not seen very many episodes of Murder, She Wrote, but it seemed like that was the foundation of the few that I saw. This person has a successful business, and he has these other people running it, and they decided, why not kill that guy, and then I can have all the money. Yeah! 
Okay. Uh, invest money wisely. Note, this is what Jacob is suggesting in his ERE book. And notice how it's invest money wisely. <laughs> yeah, that's that thousand hours. The wisely is the important part. Uh, make worksheets for teachers. So excellent opportunities for comedy. It'd probably also be excellent opportunities to sneak in little mentions of permaculture things. But apparently there's websites where you could do this, where you could make worksheets and then you put it up on the site and then teachers will like pay $5 or something. I don't know what they pay to get the worksheet and be able to use it in the classroom. Uh, make sermons for pastors. Super opportunities for comedy. <laughs> so apparently there's sites where it's like you make a sermon and then the pastors will go and be like, okay, I've given so many sermons over five years. I need something fresh. And so then they'll go to the catalog of sermons and then they'll, they'll see one that it says like, oh, here's a thing about God and permaculture and the, how we're all gardeners of the greater <laughs> world or something. And it's like, oh, I'll try that one. I'll pay five dollars. And then presto, you got paid. And then maybe there's like, I mean, if you know how many churches there are, there's a lot of churches. And so um, uh, they and those guys are looking for some fresh material. You could be writing that fresh material. Uh, make art for T-shirts and other merchandise and put them up on a site that'll give you money for every shirt or thing sold. Uh, I know of a lot of people that have done that a little bit. And they've got like several hundred dollars per year coming in from doing it a little bit. And so um, you don't even need to have artistic ability. In fact, you know, here's a weird thing. Um, I designed the art for the site of the first permies.com mug. And um, all I did was I put words at an angle and I just made lines and lines and lines of words that I thought were cool permaculture phrases. And they are basically like subject lines for stuff at permies.com. And so I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And um, later, a real artist came up with a real version for that. And I found out that people preferred my mug over his mug. And um, so it's like you, uh, you, you don't really have to be a real artist to do this. And in fact, I should take my design and, and put it up on a site like this at some point. Um, maybe there's somebody out there that's an artist that has done that and wants to, you know, do that for me. Or maybe they want to even just take it and, and do it and make their own money. There's a lot of people who have made t-shirts featuring my stuff and I tell them to just keep all the money and, uh, and they've, they've got income. All right. Find a book that you love that is self-published. Get permission from the author to make a crappy audiobook. Complete with a strong recommendation to buy the physical book at each chapter break, especially good if the book has pictures and tables that will not convey into an audio format and the message between chapters points that out. Read the book into an MP3 file, sell the audio book. Now, um, apparently uh, there's places where you can read books into audio book formats and there's uh, like there's a lot of people that do it, but that's that's work. Whereas the other side that I'm talking about is something where you come up with the audiobook and make the audiobook available, and then you get the royalties from it because of whatever reason. But I think I think that there's a lot of potential for that. Um, 
Okay, here's here's the next one. Uh, give 1,000 things away for free. Videos, articles, podcasts, ebooks. It's so weird, but after a thousand, it is as if you now have mystery income. Good luck, money offers for stuff, and all sorts of money things that you could never have predicted before. It's a bit like magic and impossible to predict. I have to say that I've given away thousands of things with no intent of ever getting money back and mysteriously, that stuff has turned into money in the strangest ways. All right. Um, I've got one more item on the list. Well, in fact, I'm just going to do it. Be creative. Come up with a dozen things not on this list. All right. Jacob, um, I suspect that you've given away a mountain of stuff. There's there's the stuff on your blogs, if nothing else. And then, of course, um, there's your book, which uh, brings in a certain income, but do you get income from mysterious places that is not direct income from your book, but it's probably caused by your book? Uh, in a way, um, I mean, what, what, what you're talking about here is essentially setting up a, setting up a network of different people, essentially creating creating volatility. Uh, what phrases? Um, it's, it's, it's essentially a clever form of, 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 of networking. So if you also sort of like spread the message of what you need and what they need, then you can, um, ah, this is one of those complicated questions. Okay. I would say, I say one, one thing, one thing that has happened to me specifically, uh, at one point I was, um, I was writing some, uh, financial commentary posts on, on the, uh, on my blog and I said some, something, I don't know if it was in a post or in a, in a comment, something to the effect of if only Wall Street hired more physicists, then the financial crisis wouldn't have happened. <laughs> and uh, going kind of like back to, uh, to to what you said about hating reading finance, I, I used to, to, to love reading finance stuff. Uh, and uh, it was kind of on my bucket list to work in finance. And so I made some kind of side comment. And in that regard, and then I get another, someone actually commented back on that. Well, if you're really interested in that, I can maybe make that happen. And that was after me talking to me, because I was tired of physics, I was talking to, uh, finance headhunters, but failing utterly, uh, to get sort of like to the next step. So, well, you could actually make that happen. Are you interested? Yeah, I'm interested. So, uh, after, I think it was after, it was actually, uh, shortly after I started Stop, stop, stop blocking. I actually got like a full-time position in a financial company where I, where I worked for, for a few years and that was strictly due to, uh, to the blogging, blogging efforts. Uh, you guys keep going. I gotta, I gotta run away for two minutes. I'll be right back. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so I'll just kind of like, uh, should we put this one on hold? Uh, uh, no, we could we could talk about that. Okay, okay. Um, now we say you're you're on Paul's podcast and he's yeah. not there to say yeah. you can't say anything. I can say anything I want now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think no, I, think I mean, uh, I mean, knowing a lot, I mean, having this like uh, network on on the forum I've developed. I mean, it's almost like having you have connections in strange places all over the world. Uh, yeah, it's. And, and I mean, essentially, we visited people 
elsewhere. People have visited us, um, tried different things. I've tried to ride a motorcycle, for example. I mean, I've showed another dude who gave me how to do, like, how to plane with a hand plane. I mean, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Just simply from having this uh, uh, organization, so to speak, uh, or, or, or the network. I've found it really interesting too, just as, as I've kind of started on my journey and as I've started to get my name out there a bit more and like the number of things that just come out of the blue and it's like, wait, you're just going to do this thing for me or give this yeah. thing to me or send this thing to me or like, you want me to come stay at your place sometime? Like, that's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's there's, there's, yeah. there's a great willingness to do to help other people actually if if you feel like yeah. they they want to hear what you yeah. what you say I mean it's the same thing on on, on all right. kinds of forums right you can go in and ask a question people will like freely provide the expertise in that regard yeah well and I think about all the cool people who have like taken a bunch of their free time to like come and give us advice on our book and like there's people who have spent many 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 hours like reading through and saying oh you know this could be improved this is awesome this could be better and it's like we haven't paid any of them they just they're they're interested and excited and want to help and it's yeah it's really cool to get to know people in that way too so and so i think I think that giving a lot of things away for free, I mean, there's a lot of things to that, right? Yeah, um, I mean, it's... And, uh, and one of the things that Paul and I talked about as we were writing this paragraph... Oh, Paul's back now. I'm is back. That, well, one of the cool things is that, like, Paul gives away his podcasts for free. Mm-hmm. And his podcasts is how, how I got to know Paul. And so, because Paul gave away podcasts, he eventually ended up finding someone to work on this book with. Which I, I wouldn't have written this book uh, without Sean. Uh, the, the, the giving things away for free also, um, I mean, it kind of serves. I mean, for instance, in, in, in my case, I kind of consider the, the blog posts, which are obviously free to be sort of like the advertising for yeah. the forum, which again is then like the advertising for the, for the book. And then I charge for the book, but the rest is free in that sense. Yeah. But you know, for in, in order to have mystery income, you have to have something somewhere that somehow converts, whether it's yeah. a product or whether it's like your person being able to work somewhere, you know, like if, mm-hmm. for instance, suppose you're like a famous woodworker or something, you give advice away for free on the internet, then you would probably expect people to solicit offers like you come work on this just just from having done that then you're like giving be giving away your time instead. But there needs there needs to be some 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 way to convert at some point. I mean for uh, another way of putting it, it can't be anonymous. Yeah. The system work. <laughs> I think that because you're selling your book and I mean there's the income that comes from your book, but I'm going to um speculate that um, there are speaking gigs that you've done where you've gotten paid. There have been uh, uh, maybe speaking gigs that you've done where you've not gotten paid, but people brought you pie. I, I, I don't know what happens to me. I, I go out and I speak for free, but people somehow bring me pie. I get, like yeah. I'll have three pies 
yeah. where I'm speaking yeah. for three different people. Yeah, um, okay, yeah, I have gotten fed. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's also the whole thing where it's like, okay, I own land, and um, there have been people that have come here, and they have worked for like two weeks. And they have a full-time job somewhere, and that was their entire vacation for the year mm-hmm. to come here and help me for two right, weeks. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't pay them anything, mm-hmm. and and so it's kind of like, um, wow, what was up with that? And it's like so effectively by giving away something for free, I kind of got paid, kind of not really, yeah, but kind of. Um, so there's, I don't know, it's, I feel like there well, is a long list of things from which I have benefited or, or another one is, is like, okay, then the, I give a whole bunch of stuff away for free for years and years and years and years. And then I do a Kickstarter and I get like a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And it's like, I kind of feel like probably 70% of those people were people that got something from, for free. Yeah. And they're like, I like your stuff. I'll right. Give right. You yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Whereas if I hadn't been giving stuff away for free, I probably would have only made – I would have made much, much, much less. I'm right, right, yeah. I think probably the give 1,000 things away for free is probably the most important thing on this entire list. Like I think without that one, the other things become much harder. I mean not, not just in terms of like capitalizing in that sense but also getting through sticking points. Mm. I think but another yeah. thing is you said like, okay, you wrote this book. And you're surprised at how people like, people are loving your book more than you expected them to love it. Oh yeah, I expected so it to be <laughs> So so it turned out to be that, that you 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 needed to put out this book, you wrote the book, you put it out there, and you thought it might bring in a certain amount of money, but it actually brought in far, far more. And I think I think part of it is that it turned out that you have a talent. You have there's something to you, whether it's uh, a talent with writing the English language or expressing stuff in general or this particular flavor of gobbledygook. And and it stood the test of time as well. It continues to sell well, uh, even though you wrote it a long time ago. And so it's kind of like whatever. It is. So a lot of people are like, well, I'm not talented. I don't have those talents. And so um, in which case you're going to you know put some stuff out and it's not going to do nearly as well. And it's kind of like because you don't have the whatever it is that Jacob Lundfisker had. And so uh, I, I guess. To put two comments about the book is like the first thing was that I put 2,500 hours into it, which is way more than authors typically put in, into their books. So there's, there's a certain, it's, it's hard to make a better one, so to speak. And it requires someone else to do pretty much the same thing, but better. And the second thing is I would never have written the book if I weren't financially independent already because it would simply be too much too much work. I wouldn't have had the time for it. So one kind of unlocks the other. Okay. So, Sean, uh, when we're all done with our Kickstarter and uh, we've sent out the last book, um, how, many, how many hours do you believe that you would have put into our book? Somewhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred. Okay, I was gonna. I think I'm about this. I'll. I will have ended up at about the same. And so we will truly been a, you know, put in the same amount of time into this. But um, the other thing is, is that if I had whatever it takes to do this kind of stuff, and um, and and to work on this particular book, and I did it without Sean, 
um, I think I probably would have pulled it off with 2,000 hours worth of work. But at the same time, I think that I could have done the earlier thing that Sean and I originally were going to do, where it's like I could have put in something on the order of 200 hours worth of work to just massage articles I'd already written to make it into a good enough book format to, you know, do pretty good. And, and, uh, so, and, and even further, I think that like, you know, there's articles like the one that I wrote in two hours. I could take a bunch of articles that I've written and other things like that for which I might have a total cumulative of 40 hours of having written articles and then spend 20 hours gluing those together to put together an ebook. And I think that I could probably do all right and it would be a residual income stream. The point is, is that I'm getting at is, is that, um, it's part of the thing that we're trying to get over is the hurdle of not having a Mr. Slappy in your world and writing this book. But I kind of, I suspect that you will be in a similar position that I'm in where it's like, I need to write the book, not so much because of the income that will come from it, but because I'm, I'm tired of talking to dumb fucks that don't seem to understand what I say because I'll try to be talking. I'll be trying to say a thing. that's going to take me a half an hour to say the thing. Mm-hmm. And I get about 10 seconds into it and they fucking interrupt me. And it's like, you ask a fucking question. If you could just shut the fuck up for five minutes, I'll tell you something. All right. But they can't, they can't shut their fucking pie hole for two minutes. So it's like, you can never tell them. But if you write a book, now you can finally express the thing that you're trying to express to this person and say like, look, I don't want to talk to you. Read the fucking book. Okay. And so. It's, I'm, what I'm not, what I'm saying is, is that you didn't possibly, you didn't write the book in order to be, you know, to make money, to get $30,000 a year coming from the book. You wrote the book because you had a thing in your head and you needed to get it out. And you, whenever somebody asked you, you try to explain them, but they won't let you explain it. Right, so it's pretty like, much um, like a form of closure or catharsis, you know. There you go. There you go. What you gotta do is if you don't have a Mr. Slappy in your life, you need to write something, you need somebody who just simply pisses you off. <laughs> and you need to tell them why, why they're so damn wrong. <laughs> now you can write a book! <laughs> Alright. I'm, I'm back, I'm sorry, uh, you know, should we continue on with, uh, with yeah, this chapter? Let's, let's keep going. Okay. The next uh, section of this chapter is called The Beer Plan. Oh, sure, Jacob's ERE and Rob's mortgage-free are genius. And yet I just can't leave well enough alone. I now present to you my plan that will allow you to achieve girdhood without a lot of sacrifice involved. I call it Better Extreme Early Retirement. <laughs> better so that spells beer <laughs> better extreme early retirement you know it's better because the acronym spells something and i predict more people will like it for mysterious subliminal reasons so um this is not the same as ere jacob's plan this is better. <laughs> and I rearranged the letters. <laughs> better extreme early retirement. The beer plan goes as follows. Keep your working job for two hours every week 
do something that you enjoy doing that might turn into a passive income stream. After doing this for a while, you might find that you get to a point where the amount of money you have coming in from passive income streams is greater than your monthly expenses. Since you've then effectively been earning a double income, you've saved up a lot of money for a grub stake to buy your land. Perhaps now is the perfect time to buy your land. Now, if you're not into the mortgage-free shack approach, just keep doing what you were doing, and you'll continue to save a bunch of money. Using this money, you can go the route of building a small house on your land and then adding on to it later. Or you can keep saving up and then just build your house. Or if you don't feel like building a house, maybe you can save up enough money to the point where you can just pay someone else to do it for you. The end game of the beer plan is to have land with a home and a permaculture garden. You get there because of passive income streams. The home and the garden make it so your annual expenses drop to nearly zero. But your passive income streams keep paying. It is possible that your income becomes 10 times greater than your expenses. So I guess you don't need that day job anymore. All right, <clears throat> Jacob, I release you. You can say things. Okay, like the danger here is that uh, as, as income goes up, people start spending more of it. So there needs to be some plan and some discipline for sure. Uh, I mean, even even with like a normal salary job, people tend to scale up. Uh, the way to get rich in this country is essentially to keep living like a student. But while while you start making money and developing more other other kinds of income but then get better at living like a student. So you don't you don't live in a dorm and eat ramen or ramen, however you pronounce it. You learn how to cook. You learn how to apply resources more effectively and develop a better life, but stay at the same expense level. And then the difference between those two, that's, that's what you spend on your house, your site. So before before buying this land... Um, I, uh, I had a lot of money in the bank and I had a lot of, uh, um, income coming in from some income streams and, um, it was coming in way faster than I could spend it. And so I had money and I could buy anything. Um, and, uh, in fact, it got to a point where I needed a new vehicle and I just, I just went down and bought one. Mm-hmm. And, um, because I had a, I had that level of money in the bank, um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, so I don't know. I I think there is truth to what you're saying. A lot of people they'll get their income up to like maybe six hundred thousand dollars a year, and um, and they're barely getting by because they bought this Guess large you. house with a large mortgage mm-hmm. and. They've got um, eight different vehicles that are all very expensive, and um, who knows what else, you know. And there's the the yacht payment and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, you're right. They 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 chose paths that lead us, and and it's kind of like um, I I guess I didn't suffer from that, and maybe it's a fluke. Maybe I'm a weirdo. I mean, I am a guy who wears overalls every day, and there's a lot of people, and I find. 
my overalls have superpowers. They they repel people who think fashion is important. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice I dress, power. I dressed up for the occasion here. Yeah, I usually wear this uh, coveralls, insulated coveralls from refrigerator. <laughs> but yeah, I figured we wouldn't we wouldn't want to scare the, the normal people away, you know. But yeah. <laughs> so I I uh, I suppose there might be some people where they, whereas I'm obsessed with permaculture, there might be other people that are obsessed with travel. That could eat up a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't know, they're obsessed with uh, owning. Uh, large quantities of uh, gemstones or jewelry or something. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty expensive stuff. Um, I don't know. I imagine that there's all kinds of ways that, that you get drugs. I you know yeah. I'm not interested <laughs> in drugs. Yeah. My understanding is from watching movies that uh, that that could be a very expensive thing. Um, but there's, so always, I, there's, there's always like a more expensive consumer version of pretty much everything that you use daily. You know, you can buy a more expensive car that does pretty much the same. And once you have that, you can buy one that's a little bit more expensive. And the important thing there is not so much that it's uh, better, but that it's more expensive. It's a it's a positional good to yeah. use it to show off, right? Uh, most goods are like that, and that's a big, a big problem. Is that say, say, like if if, it, if it's clothes, you buy a fancy shirt or something, but now your your pants look shabby, so now you need better pants. But now your shirt looks shabby, so you kind of like go all the way up. So there's like no limit to what people can be induced into, like uh, pissing their money away on. So now I'm obsessed with permaculture and I own land, and so now I just take everything I've got, come again, and I put it right back out into trying to develop new wonderful permaculture things. But okay, so that's a that's another story for another day. The, the important thing is is that um, I I kind of feel like uh, this is a plan. The beer plan is not with investing, um, and in fact, the idea is is Keep your day job, dabble with things that might turn into uh, uh, passive income streams and try it out. See if you can find some things that kind of get some stuff started and then um, uh, transition basically using some of the elements from ERE and some of the elements from mortgage-free, transition to the point of, of gratitude is, is where you're heading towards. And then it's like once you get there, then, of course, you're – passive income streams will continue to produce. So then you're sitting on your plot doing your thing and you've already got this money coming in every month for which you might have trouble finding a way to spend it. Mm-hmm. So that's the beer plan. Ta-da! <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a normal endpoint, actually. I mean, that is, that is where people tend to go if they kind of trip their spending enthusiasm. It, it, it will happen. If... Um, if People will, will spend and spend and spend as much as they make. Then, of course, yeah, I, I do that think <clears throat> that's going to not work no matter what you do. But I guess on the other end, if you do try it out, then uh, you'll actually improve your income streams faster. So, like, mm-hmm. if you've got a full-time job, 40 hours a week, and then you spend another two hours a week creating passive income streams, then there might be a point when you're making 10 times more money each year than if you just stayed with the job, and so you could buy more expensive things, I guess. But you can still retire early. I mean, I mean, that's their way of doing it, too, is it's like if you just do the passive income stream thing, and then you get to the point that the amount of money that's coming in from your passive income streams is three times more than what you're making from your job, 
why would you continue with your job? I mean, I mean it's kind of like the, the often say that the worst thing that can happen if you start saving money is that you'll end up with a lot of money in your bank account. You don't know what to spend them on. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, I mean, so I mean, just try it. Uh, right. I think for, to, it's my impression that a lot of people go to work every day because they have to. Mm-hmm. And and I think all three of us and everybody listening um, has had a point in their life where they went to a job five days a week because they had to. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like a big part of this book, what I am trying to do, and what Sean and I said earlier, is like, can we tell a story, weave a tale throughout this book in such a way that when a person goes to that exact same job after reading the book, it's not because they have to, but it's because it's a, it's a part of their strategy. It's yeah, I mean, now it's, it becomes optional. Yes. And so, they're, so rather than it being an, an, an ulcer fest going to their job, rather than being a, their job is a soul-draining experience, just by reading this book, I hope that that same job becomes a soul building experience because it's part of a greater strategy. Mm. All right. Let's move on to the next section. Uh, a clever recipe for more luxuriant living at half the cost. That doesn't work out to an acronym for anything, but you know, all right. The following recipe is a quick way to solve more than half of the problems we are concerned with in this book. It also reduces expenses by half or more and all right, so I could hear all of that. Is, is Jacob being dancing on his chair? Is, da- is Jacob uh, dancing on his chair again? <laughs> you have a mute button over there, buddy. I do. <laughs> okay, all right. The following recipe is a quick way to solve more than half of the problems we're concerned with in this book. It also reduces expenses by half or more and simultaneously, universally, dramatically improves luxury. This recipe also has an overwhelming downside. The solutions to the downside will not fit in this book. I have dedicated an enormous part of my life to trying to solve this one massive problem so that we can all harvest the magnificent benefits Pause for effect. <laughs> people avoid living with each other because people, because there's just too much drama. If there was a big volume knob on drama, we could turn it from a nine down to less than one. What remains is that we could live with 20 other people in a far more luxuriant environment. And it would cost less than half as much as living alone. For starters, rent of a house or land could be split by 20 people. Nearly any item you buy, whether it be a couch, an electric tractor, or a jigsaw puzzle, could be split by 20 people. And whenever something breaks, it's like having a 95% off coupon on repairs. And... 95% of the time, the item magically repairs itself. Child care could be shared. Food costs could be reduced through bulk ordering of food 
and it's also more likely to be consumed before it goes bad. As an example, when I lived in a household with 10, where it was, where the food was all shared, the cost per person per month for all organic food, including meat, was only $108. The benefits are profound. Community living is a magnificent, radically deviant, phenomenally effective financial strategy, possibly for experts only until we develop better recipes for reduced drama. Later in this book, we'll talk more about the advantages of community living under one roof, and we'll also talk about a model for a distributed community on acreage for when you like people, but not enough to live with them in the same house. That concludes this chapter. Okay. All right. So, um, uh, yeah. this is the part where you guys tell me, yes, I'm right. Of course, Sean believes I'm right because he questioned every word I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the drama part is definitely an issue. <laughs> uh, many, many communes fail. For that reason, so if that can be solved, then that's a no-brainer. Um, actually, when I went to grad school, ben- I, yeah, is the benefit there? Is the benefit that I mentioned? Yeah, you absolutely. Uh, yeah. So he has some like other ways to do it. Uh, or um, so like when I went to grad school, I lived in a in a dorm with eighteen other people. So we each had our own cubby hole, essentially, with a bed. It was kind of like a tiny house in, set, in the sense that it was very well designed, so lots of storage, so suitcases, etc. And there were, I think, three shared showers and four toilets or something. And the cost was, like, really low. Um, so that's, I mean, but, but like, for, like, non-students, that's not really a possibility unless, uh, say, like, a group takes over a motel. I mean, there was a way for people to get away from each other, so there was not much drama. Uh, another another problem with it was the um, uh, what I what I call the kitchen counter effect, uh-huh. uh, and that is if just one or two persons stop cleaning up the kitchen counter, then essentially it all goes to hell because then everybody else thinks, why should I bother? And that is probably like the fundamental problem to <laughs> communal living. And the solution they had there was essentially that the uh, the, the complex hire a cleaning uh, person to come in. Like I think the kitchen was done like every other day, and all the individual rooms. And there was like really no choice in this. So it was like part of the rent were cleaned out like once a month. So that kept kept the standard essentially. For, for, I just uh, got him to write our other chapter. It looks like he got most <laughs> of the material. Well, so uh, what, what I, most people don't see. Um, is that as Jacob was explaining this problem of problems in the kitchen, uh, Paul and I were both nodding our heads like, yes, <laughs> yes, this, this well, is the problem. Say, I think that the chapter that comes later is called How to Get 20 People to Live Under One Roof Without Stabbing okay, no. Each Other. And then, and then the first section title is The Knives Are Stored in the Kitchen. Right. Okay. Oh, so that was that is what that was about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's yeah, the kitchen is. But I mean, like you know, this is this is something that's going to take a forty volume set of books to yeah. try to even start to just talk about the problems and how we might possibly solve them. And and like you know, so what I've done here is I want to just throw out the idea that it's like 
you can cut your expenses in half right out of the gate. Except yeah. that there's this drama issue. And, yeah. and then you say something like adults won't do it. This is for college kids. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like, no, I've yeah, been. Most adults don't have the skills. I mean, that's the. I, I've been to a lot of intentional yeah. communities where it's adults giving it a try. And, yeah. um, and granted, uh, it's, it's not working. Now there are some where it is working. And the way that you could tell if it's working is, do they have people that have been there longer than two years? Mm-hmm. That's that's the metric. And so, um, but there are there are places where people have been there for longer than two right. years. Where like most of the population is more than two years old, but they're very rare. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of places where like the community has been there for longer than two years, but the people that are living there, no one's been there for two mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And it's like the community might be 15 years old. But no one's been there longer than two years. Well, because that's like grad student housing, right? It's like rotating No, no, this is intentional community. And the other thing is when you talk about like four people sharing a place, it's like there is that one house out of 20 where it's like they all rented the place their freshman year and then they stopped renting. The same people stopped renting the place when they all graduated. And so it's one out of 20 where they, these people did get along and it did work out. All right. And, and it's like, and we can see some of it in an episode of Friends. <laughs> but the, the key is, is that it's like, you know, when we talk about the drama, a lot of people are kind of like, oh, the, you, it's only you. And it's kind of like, no, no, we all kind of did this where we all, you know, rented a place or we did something in college to make our expenses lower. Um, and then at the same time, there's such a thing as I'm sure we've all heard of divorce. We've heard of it. I mean, the fact that it's a word shows that it, there's at least one person who's experienced it. Well, two technically, but, um, and, and it's like, at the same time, I think we've all met some people that have been through divorce. If it's not that we've been through it ourselves. Oh, and then at the same time, there's such a thing as prison. I'm sure you've heard of it. And so in which case prison, a lot of the people that are in there, it's like they did something unkind to somebody else. And that's why it turned out there was a law against it. And so they went to prison. So it's like it's it's not a unique idea that, that when you bring people together, there's challenges. But again, 47-volume set of books to try to even discuss this. And we're just trying to talk about, like, ways to reduce your expenses. Yeah, I mean, the so other – just throwing it out there as a way, but you're not going to do it. We know you're not going to do it because of the drama factor. Another common way is uh, multi-generational family arrangement. True. So that's probably going to become more common. I mean, Which some is why in some cultures it's the default, and in some the opposite is the default. So I think that's going to be like a transition there. And so, Jacob, you live with your mom and dad right now? No. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, uh, Sean. Don't you live with your mom and dad right now? No, I don't. No, no, no. I, I don't live with my mom and dad. Um, I know. I wonder how many people that are like in the chat thing, how many of them live with their mom and dad right now? So it's like, but I agree with you. I mean, there you are families like, yeah. that are generational, and there are places in the world where it is happening generational. In the United mm-hmm. States, it's pretty rare, and, yeah. I, and I think that's a whole other conversation for another day, and I'm sure the word millennial will come up more than once. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then the last thing, um, instead of, like, living, everybody living under the same house, you can also uh, connect the neighborhood, so to speak. 
it kind of goes back to the like give things away for free. Uh, if you start giving things away for free to your neighbors, then you might eventually discover that you don't all need to own your own lawnmower. You can borrow each other's, you know, mm-hmm. things like wow. that. If, if, um, I I gotta okay I, I, you know, okay you've pushed a button so now I have to make whiny sounds it's it's uh, what I do <laughs> but uh, my experience is is that um, if you loan out your lawnmower in my case I, I used to loan out my tractor and then my tractor would come back needing like welding work done on it to right, repair right, right, yeah. and and then it's like they they weren't willing to to pay for it or do it or whatever so I had to weld it back yeah. together. And um, so I kind of feel like there's stuff that I'm perfectly comfortable giving away. And then there's stuff where it's like, um, I've, I, it's like the whole concept of no good deed goes unpunished. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, um, so it's, it's like I got to kind of weave where yeah. I'm comfortable giving things away. But you're right and you're wrong. I mean, it depends on right. depends on the person. It's not it's not it's not the track that's the first one. Oh. the tractor too. Right? So you start out you start out small, right? You get you get, you go and you give people cookies. That that's not actually because you're nice <laughs> in a sense. It's just now it's turning a little sociopathic. That's actually a test to see if they'll give you cookies back. <laughs> right. Okay. And so you sort of build the relationships like like that, and then you build this kind of complex neighborhood where people look out for each other. Those and, exist. And, I mean, and, they exist. Yeah. I live in also, one now. Yeah. It's more common that that your neighborhood is going to be something where you go and you give, and now that you've given them an inch, they need a mile. And um, and it's like, and you started your statement with, it depends. And, of course, once you say it depends, almost anything flies. Right, right, yeah. But it's kind of like there there are wonderful neighborhoods out there where – like everybody in the neighborhood is is just amazing and awesome and rational and not on their way to jail and and then at, at the same time now I have done a lot of traveling and speaking and and stuff like that and I've been invited to many farms and gardens and I got to tell you that the entire of all the people that I visited they fit into three camps so camp number 1 is where it's like exactly what you're talking about, where it's like they're in a great place, their neighbors are awesome, their local authorities are being lovely people, everything is rational, everything makes sense, life is good, or they're willing, that's that's what they tell me. And and it's, it's not really, but that's what they tell me. But one-third fits into the space of the, what I hear is it's lovely. One-third is nightmare. Where it's like their neighbor is insane. And it's like, I'm sure everybody has heard stories of bad neighbors. Right. And, and of course the bad neighbor probably points down to the, per- points to the person we're talking to and saying bad neighbor also. But it's like, it's like, 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 uh, uh, some kind of psycho movie or something like that. It's, it's like nightmares. Nightmare is the right word. Nightmare. And then the final third are people who live a very quiet and discreet life because they moved out of the nightmare. They selected a property that's very well hidden and they choose to not communicate with anybody in a 10 mile radius. Mm -hmm. 
So, I think maybe the third one is probably the most common one where you just have fences between each house and you say hello, but that's about it. And you do it like this. <laughs> hi. Yeah. Hi. Uh, no, 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 don't come over. No. Right. <laughs> I'll wave at you like this. Yeah. And we're good. We're good. We're happy. Yeah. Just stay over there. <laughs> and I'm going to make a hogo culture bed. I need you to not go psycho about it, okay? Right, it's right, on my right. land. <laughs> All right. And that's that's the chapter. And now what I want to hear from you, Jacob, is, wow, that's a magnificent chapter. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say it. What the hell, Jacob? I said nice things about you in that chapter. <laughs> okay. I'm, 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 all right. I guess we're wrapping up on that note. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, Sean, uh, you've been watching all this chat stuff. I've seen so much stuff go by. I saw Revention was talking about how he lives with his dad, and his dad's a cool guy. Um, and yeah. there's a bunch of other stuff here. Is there anything that we might want to talk about in this podcast? No, I think we uh, we put some links in the chat for some people, and we had some good conversations, and I think that, uh, we're good for now. There is a lot of chat in this thing. I I think it worked out pretty good, except for the... The technical difficulties we had at the beginning, but but maybe uh, yeah. we, after after we're done recording, maybe we'll hear more about that uh, from Jacob, and he can tell us what exactly happened and we get better at. It. And like some of the chat people said, once you've done it a few more times, you get better at it. I I know I had some some problems. I've I've this has been uh, it has been difficult for me to get the YouTube live thing to work, and um, I, I don't just luck maybe. Uh, whereas with Zoom. I don't even think about it. Everything seems to be right where I want to click. So just a mindset thing, maybe? Browser thing, probably. Google's gotten. Okay. So there you go. Radically deviant strategies um, for financial stuff. Um, and uh, I think uh, I think we're going to call it good. If you like this, come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about GERT and homesteading and permaculture all the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.